<clears throat> anyway, it's always like a celebration when I get to talk about Kuan Yin and introduce you to Kuan Yin. So that's what I'm here for today. Um, and gathering her compassionate energy around all of us, we all need it so much. The world needs it. And we're going to do that. But also a celebration of this book. She appears, um, which is a gathering of 52 uh, voices, stories, and a beautiful artwork. And I, I encourage you to take a look at it, particularly at, the, at some of the artwork. And we'll be um, doing a bit of reading from here. <clears throat> some of you will be doing some reading. So, um, did you remember to bring something for the altar? Did anybody forget? Is there something you could get quickly? Um, or, or would you like to do a virtual offering of something you imagine you w would like to put on the altar? Okay, it could be a, a um, uh, for instance, a photograph of a loved one, uh, something from nature, um, a precious object. Obviously, you will take these home with you. You're not, you're not donating them. My so, phone. what? <laughs> your phone? Your phone. No. <laughs> um, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so did somebody leave to go get something? <laughs> Are there people here uh, who've never been to Spirit Rock before? Mm -hmm. Are there people who are new to meditation? Well, a little bit. <laughs> and then um, anybody who's never heard of Kuan Yin before? Ah, all right. We have a lot to do today. <laughs> I have to introduce you to Vipassana meditation, Guan Yin, the whole deal. We're going to be busy. <laughs> so let's start <clears throat> with just a few minutes of silence, a few minutes of meditation in which we invite the celestial bodhisattva of compassion here in this room with us. However you ima may imagine Kuan Yin, maybe in her bodily form, as a spirit, as an image, as a human quality, which we all share. I invite you to relax into that.
They'll end with a bell. And the bell is calling us to arrive here fully. To bring all of ourselves here into this room, into this experience. Mindfully, gently, attentively, just being here. So now we're going to uh, build an altar, all of us, right over there. We, we, we started it. Now all of us are going to bring our things to the altar. If I can get detached from this. <laughs> help, no, help. Can you get this off me? Testing. Yep. I know how to speak out. How about this? Oh. Let's go. Oh, I must bring my thing too. Well, let's go over here. We began, as you see, to create an altar to Kuan Yin and to all of us. Here's a magnificent image. She's holding the vial of compassion, which she's pouring down over the world in her right hand. In her left hand, she's holding a, a willow whisk. What, what is that in her left hand? Uh, a whisk, a willow whisk, a little piece of willow branch. Oh, okay. What's the symbolism of willow? Uh, it's, it's, a willow is always with Kuan Yin. Willow moon are always Kuan Yin. You can tell if, if there's a willow wisp that is Kuan Yin. Uh, here she is, the same. She's pouring fluid down into a dragon's mouth. She's off, often shown with a dragon. And here is a statue of a Buddha to, to link her to uh, Buddhism. Uh, the fluid of compassion that she's pouring over the world. So I'm going to begin with, um, uh, some of you may, may have known Ruth Dennison, who was my teacher for 35 years and who died on February 26th down in the Mojave Desert. I was um, 
there as as were about 15 or 20 of her students during the last 10 days so this is this is Ruth who was always profound and entertaining at the same time <laughs> may she inspire us <laughs> uh, I'll just put her back here so we're, we're not going to do this at great length, but I would really like to hear each person's voice saying what it is you've brought in just quickly a sentence and why you brought it. So I'm just going to hand this to you. Maybe you don't need it, but maybe you do. Okay. I brought this heart. It's um, a token that I actually gave to my husband um, to have my heart with him when he travels or goes to bed or whatever so that he could have it. And my daughter, who is two years old, also has taken a great liking to it. So I wanted to bring the heart of our family. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Thanks. Just put it wherever you'd like. You can put things up here, too, if, you, if it feels right. Yeah. This is completely improvised, so I'm just going to try to um, think of the meanings that it might have, <laughs> besides that it's damaged, um, which is probably... Um, classic uh, for me. Um, it was in my son's lunch that um, he didn't eat. So he's, he's close to my heart. Um, although the apple actually was, did not grow on the tree of knowledge, in the Bible there's no reference to apples. Um, I still, since we traditionally do associate it with that, Let's um, have some wisdom, maybe, if not knowledge. Thank you. You might want to say your name before you talk. Because we're all going to remember all the names of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm Travis. My name is Judy. This photo of my mother when she was very young, um, she's the uh, person in my life who took taught me the most about compassion. My name is Martha, and um, these are two prayers that I copied from my church um, bulletin that have to do with um, water. Um, God of living water, let your spirit of compassion wash over us as them starts. I'm Zoe, and I brought this statue of Kuan Yin that I got at Spirit Matters a long time ago, and this is always on my altar. Hi, everyone. My name is Lara, and uh, I brought with me a picture of my uh, mom and my sister, and they, um, they both uh, just exude love and they're yeah I appreciate them so much they're they're um yeah they're just so giving and loving and um yeah so and uh unfortunately they live kind of uh, far away so I can't see them all the time but uh, I wanted them to be with me today I'm Jackie, 
and I have a medicine bag with some stones, friends of mine. And this is from a friend in Beijing, and it's uh, my Qigong teacher, and a memory of when I saw Kuan Yin with a thousand hands, the statue in the Dazu stone carvings north of Chongqing last year, which is incredible. And it's just a lovely memory. Hi, my name is Pat, and um, I brought this tiny, tiny, tiny sea turtle, and he's attached to a little mother of pearl, and it was purchased in Hawaii with my three daughters uh, while we were discovering nature, and somehow the sea turtle has always, or a turtle, going back to my childhood in Indiana, I actually killed a whole rowboat full of turtles accidentally, and turtles have been really important in my life, so... I wish I'd brought a bigger one. I was thinking of a turtle when I left home and I put the turtle earrings on and then, so I'm going to take it back at the end. <laughs> I'm gonna put it right near the heart for good luck. For the tur good luck for all the turtles. Yeah. Good luck for Turtle Island. <sighs> Hi, my name is Kath. I also brought an animal, a little bit bigger. It's an Egyptian scarab, and um, it was given to me years ago as a gift, and I had lost it, and I just recently found it. And um, it just made me think of all the things and people that I have lost, and, and that I, I believe it's a, it's a symbol of rebirth, and I just think of things coming around again and finding lost things and just always... My name's Mary, and I didn't bring anything, but what came to mind was music, because I sing. So I bring a heart with music for, for blessing. And you have to sing. My name's Maria, and I also forgot to bring anything for the altar, so when Sandy mentioned it, I took this from around my neck. It's something that I wear all the time to the point that I don't even think about it. It has a variety of different um, objects on it. Um, I think the one I'll mention is these two. It's a crucifix with a very worn image of Christ on it that was my father's. And he used to carry it in his pocket. And the Christ image is so worn because I think he used to finger it and handle, <laughs> handle it. Um, and so it, it wore down the Jesus image, which is something that it's just the whole thing. Having it from my dad is very dear to me. And along with it, a medal of um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, that also was with the crucifix in my dad's pocket. <laughs> well, this is a Q-link, which protects me from electromagnetic radiation. Um, this is another medal, a Christian medal. I don't, I don't know what to say about that. It's Mary and Jesus as a child. And this is um, just a heart. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, 
Google Q-Link, the letter Q-L-I-N-K, and you'll find all about it. So I, I grabbed a few things. My name is Constance. Um, my medicine bundle, which has Buddha and green Tara and Ganesh and rocks and beads and all that in it. And um, I feel like I'm in a... I'm in the mush stage of transforming. Um, so this is sort of me as a, a child, a sort of wounded child, transforming into the lion. My name is Juliet, and um, I put this crystal here, and this woman gave it to me a couple of weeks ago. And I think of it as a transformation, and I also think of it as when you call on Kuan Yin, that she is there the moment you just even contemplate her and take refuge in her um, like rapid response. <laughs> So I'll, I love her su superhero aspect, and I love her. Hi, my name's Lena Marie. I forgot to bring something, but I'm gonna give a banana, which was my breakfast. <laughs> Hi, my name's Maggie, and um, I have a Ricola cough drop because it's my favorite personal manifestation of, of Kuan Yin to be able to hand them out. I always carry them with me. Hi, I'm Karen, and I have a stone that I bought a few years ago. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I've been carrying it with me, and um, I place it on the altar, um, I guess, and, and I'm drawn to come to be here with you today, um, needing um, self-compassion. Hi, my name is Anne, and um, I just put my mm, mala beats here, which I practice every day. Thank you. Hi, my name is Anita, and um, I have this photo of myself and my sister uh, when we were having a really good time and enjoying myself. And it's when I have, you know, I'm enjoying myself, and so it's one of the, my favorite pictures of myself. And then my sister, and we're getting along really well. And um, things have been strained in my family lately. And um, so this is a wish that we could come together the way that we used to. Thank you. Hi, my name's Kat, um, and I just brought a little miniature Buddha that is on a, a Buddhist altar that I have at home, a meditation altar. And it's special because um, it was given to me so on this altar, I've basically been recovering from a really dark period, like over the last two years. And um, so people that give me things like, uh, to give me strength, I put on that altar, and this is one of those. So. Hi, I'm Ruth, and I'm giving a rose. Uh, it's called Perfume Delight. 
Hi, I'm Joanne, and I brought a, a rose quartz, an interesting um, structure to it, and it feels really good in your hand. My son gave it to me, and the rose quartz is, um, represents mercy or compassion, and I keep it next to my little Kuan Yin that I have on my dashboard so that I don't get into road rage. <laughs> or to take those minutes to meditate while you're sitting in your car. Hi, my name's Thea. I brought a picture of my mother and me um, some time ago before she passed. Um, my mother was one of my great teachers, and I was also thinking of Mother's Day, so that's why I brought it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. My name's Nancy. Um, I brought three hearts, and um, I brought them because um, they belong to my best friend from kindergarten through high school who passed two years ago. And she and I were joined at the hip for years and years. And then as we started to grow up, we um, went our own ways. But we really had a heart connection and incredible compassion for each other. And um, I saw her um, a few months before she passed. And then I went back for her memorial. And her sister um, said to both me and also many of her good friends, please take whatever you want. And I've always had a heart um, collection of hearts that I find in nature. And as I looked through her things, I found that she did too. And so I came home with probably about 10 hearts. And so these are three of them from her collection. And um, she's still in my heart. Yes. And always will be correct. Hi, I'm Gail. And... um I brought a uh, very old compact that my husband gave me many years ago. It's always with me, I'm sorry to say. (laughs) Uh, But what I hope is when I open it, I see reflected Kuan Yin's compassion. Um, Hi, my name is Whitney. And um, I I have this keychain that um, my good friend... I work for gave to me and um, I do a lot of work with corporations where I uh, teach you know inner listening and yoga and relaxation and I think that's a very feminine thing coming to a very masculine force and uh, the woman who runs the company I work for gave me this and so I'm going to put it the statue is a way of, you know, bringing more feminine energy. And also it was last minute, to be honest with you. So, but it does make sense. <laughs> I'm Mary. Mine's last minute also. And when you said that, I thought, oh, I've got all this cool stuff at home. So I've got a full like shrine, right? But the first thing that thought that came to my mind is I definitely would have brought a feather, like a hawk feather or an owl feather, something that I found in nature. So I looked in my bag and my notebook has picture of peacock feathers. So I'm offering the winged ones that I have a fondness for. And I just wrote inside Wakan Tonka, which is Lakota for great spirit, great mystery. So
My name is Sonia, and um, I also have rose quartz, and uh, it was given to me by my mom. <laughs> Hi, my name is Bill, <coughs> and uh, I didn't get the memo somehow, uh, but I have my 10-year medallion that uh, from recovery that I carry with me, and uh, means a lot to me as my recovery is very important to me, if not the most important thing. My name is Megan. I brought a photograph of Ama from my um, altar at home because she really exudes compassion and kindness and generosity and forgiveness. My name is Karen, and I, too, forgot, but I do have something. My earrings, they're close to my ears, so I can listen with compassion. Thank you. My name is also Karen, um, and I brought a Dahlia tuber given to me by uh, a new friend last night, um, and a crystal, hopefully, too some of the positivity and compassion plant the tuber hopefully tonight maybe hi my name is Iris and I'm sorry I came late and missed the first meditation but um, I feel that this year is my year to connect with my feminine it feels that energy feels very present in my life and I missed the memo as well, but this was last minute. I took from my altar a, a heart, and it has a dragonfly on it. And it was given to me by a good friend to remind me of gratitude in my life and all the blessings that are there. So I'd like to offer that to beautiful Kuan Yin, goddess of compassion. Um, I'm Jenny, and I brought a picture of my really good friend, Tatiana, and her husband, Greg, when they're having a really fantastic time smiling and laughing. Um, Tatiana was just diagnosed for the second time with breast cancer, and um, they're going to need a lot of compassion. Hi, my name is Meg. This rose quartz seems really popular. This one is um, one that my sister gave me, and we've had a very difficult relationship that's very much healing, and I'm very pleased to, that a lot of it happened through Spirit Rock when my mother passed. Um, Sylvia Burstein was very helpful with us. And I used this originally in shamanism, and it does really work, <laughs> and it helps connect you to the goddess. My name is Elizabeth, and my contribution is virtual. It's the spirit of my mother who died in 2000, and my daughter and I were both with her, each holding a hand, and it was one of the most profound experiences of shared compassion that I have had in my life, so I wanted to share that with you.
My name is Natalie. I'm offering a card with words from one of the first people that I ever felt profound compassion from. He embodied compassion and strength in ways that I only appreciated more than 20 years later. So I reflect on that a lot, and it made me realize that the way that we impact each other can sometimes take time to settle in, but we feel it, um, and the ripple effects are real, and they can come when they're ready. Um, it's kind of hard. Yeah, it's kind of long. It might take... Maybe sometime during the day, if you really want yeah. to know what's in it, you can come and read it. Hi, I'm Jen, and I brought this little uh, Zaza that we painted with my children um, at a meditation retreat. It was a family meditation retreat to remind me to have compassion for my children <laughs> and also to bring some compassion home for them. <laughs> Yeah, hi, my name is Richard, and I didn't get the memo because I wasn't on the list. But I do have something I was able to bring up here. This is a, a photo of Frodo, and Frodo was my little dog, and I had to put him down last December. And even with that, you know, there's that wonderful little prayer, let me be the person my dog thinks I am. <laughs> And I learned so much from that little guy. And after I had to put him down, I learned so much about impermanence. And there are two Mary Oliver dog poems there, too. Um, hi, I'm Rosemary. Um, I forgot to bring something, but realized I have a necklace I wear all the time around my neck. And it's uh, my best friend, who I've known for about 30 years, gave it to me. Um, she's seen me through a lot of difficult things, and it says it's a it's just a short phrase by Thich Nhat Hanh that says "No mud, no lotus," which is, for some reason, the story of my life. So I'm going through a huge yes, <laughs> I'm going through a, yeah, <laughs> going through a transition now, yet another one, and um, really going deep this time. So um, and there's a lot of healing. So I appreciate this. For Thanks. Hi, I'm Rachel. I couldn't decide. I brought more things in my bag. Um, I'll offer these. Um, one, I love to be connected to the earth. And this is um, mother with her connected to trees and really rooting ourselves and the opportunity here to be in nature. And uh, the other is chrysoprase. It's green, which is my favorite color. I'm also born in the month of May, about to have a zero birthday, and um, green is emerald, are the color of this month, and um, it kind of is something I'd like to remember around compassion, compassion for myself and for others. I'm Beth. And um, I have two little talismans um, representing where I've been and where I'm going. Um, the little mouse ballerina is from <laughs> when I went to the ballet and it was a really magical evening with wonderful music. And I have a stone um, that has the Chinese characters for tranquility.
The ballerina is tired and needs to lean. <laughs> How about there? Very good. Uh, my name's Cindy, and um, my son just started his rehab journey. He's going from an acute facility to uh, a long-term inpatient care facility for about four or five months. So I brought a statue of Kwanwin and Kanesh to help him heal. What's his name? Jonathan. Yeah. Hi, I'm Rick, and I brought a fossil. Probably know the name of it. Somebody? What was it called? I don't know. Oh, oh, yeah. Ed? I'm not sure. But yeah, I um, my youngest son has the other half. And so it's very precious. Thank you. Is that everyone? No. Nope. Hi, I'm Stephanie, and I didn't plan on this, but I brought a book where I write down poetry and songs and wishes that I have. Anyone else? Yes. I bought this beautiful shell, which was broken at one time, and someone else brought it to me. And I feel like it's a symbol of my journey. So it means a lot. Uh, my journey in self-compassion. Yeah, it's the second one. Um, and a picture of the people I love most in my life, my son and my grandsons, who are all in deep pain, so I'm carrying compassion uh, for them and uh, the collective compassion of the cosmos for their well-being. Hi, I'm Lisa. I'll bring um, a pen um, symbolizing the very old-fashioned act of writing with a pen. <laughs> Does that have some particular significance to you? I'm a third grade teacher and we're trying to get little kids to go on computers and do all sorts of things that I think it's just kind of crazy. And I, I like paper and <laughs> pens. Yes. Uh -huh. I'm Bernadine. I'm going to put this on the altar. 
um, I had a very difficult business trip that I really, really didn't want to go to, and I was asked to, um, you know, this was my ally, and this was Kuan Yin, and when things got really hard, I held on really tight, and she helped me get, I'm sure it was her, <laughs> helped me get a five-hour flight home, like early, by meeting another Buddhist. I mean, how often does that happen? So, thank you, Kuan Yin. Anybody else? So that's absolutely everyone. Um, why don't you come up, just take a look now at all these representations of our lives. We are now so present here. There was a wonderful um, Zen master named Maureen Stewart who said that um, each of us is the uh, heart and hands and eyes of Kuan Yin. That that's, that's where she resides, is here with each of us and with all our loved ones and our, our aspirations and our hopes and our sorrows. So as the day goes forward, anytime if you want to come over and just take a look at, at these lovely objects, these meaningful uh, dimensions of ourselves. Thank you. Did Lilith make it? Okay. In that case, um, well, let me tell you what we're going to do for the rest of the morning. I'm going to talk for a while about Kuan Yin and about uh, some of the stories and the images in this new book. <clears throat> she appears. And um, I'm also going to ask... I have asked some participants if they would read short sections of the book. And Lilith was to be one of them, and Lilith doesn't seem to be here. So is there some um, person who likes to read aloud and is comfortable in these? All right. And what is your name? Martha. Martha. Okay, Martha. I'll just um, give you the book. Great. And 
incidentally, anybody, you know, if you really need to go out and use the facilities or something of that kind, please, please feel comfortable to do that. <clears throat> so, we are going to do some exploration of who is Kuan Yin, and particularly how do we experience her in our lives. I mean, we can see her in her Asian representations, some of which I'm going to talk about. Very beautiful artwork. Um, but, but we are Westerners, and we apprehend her differently. Um, and we'll be doing this. Well, I want us all to have an experience of Guan Yin, just not, not just information about, but an experience of. So we'll be chanting. There's a traditional chant, and then there's a contemporary chant. We'll be doing a guided meditation, full moon meditation. I hope there's time for the sacred circle dance. It's a, it's a dance created by the Sufis. Um, uh, the Sufis dances of universal peace. One of them is a dance to Kuan Yin. And then uh, some exploration through writing. Lisa, with a pen. <laughs> I know if somebody brought their, their laptop, that's okay too. <laughs> and we'll hear a few of the stories from the book. And those will be read not by me, but by... Uh, as I said, some participants. And after that, we'll take a little break, and then we're going to do the chant. We'll be doing the chant. So some of you uh, may know a great deal about Kuan Yin. Some of you have maybe just heard the words once, and you know nothing about it. So um, I'm here to help you discover her, to help you discover her in yourself and in the world, and let you know that she's definitely accessible to us. She is, she is very much an accessible uh, divine being. And also, just to introduce you to this book, which, uh, as I said, is a, is a gathering of 52 writers and artists uh, telling us about their encounters with Kuan Yin, dreams, visions, long-time relationships with Kuan Yin that changed their lives, and then the artists who, who see her uh, differently from the Asian artists. So we'll be, we'll be in working with all of that. So who is Kuan Yin? Well, uh, why would we even care? Uh, well, I think because we care about each other, and we care about ourselves, and, and we care about the world that we're living in. And Kuan Yin as an embodiment of compassion, of active compassion, of course she's of interest to us. And then I think, too, um, if we are women, we may really be hungry for expressions of the feminine divine because we see so many Buddhas, 
and manjushris and other male images and and it's it's a wonderful thing then to encounter uh, a female representation and i'm sure that men enjoy this too and like this too maybe particularly um, last weekend I was up in Oregon at Great Val Zen Monastery and I was told that, and I was doing essentially this retreat, but it was a whole weekend, and I was told that some of the residents wanted to participate. Now these are, these are of course shaven-headed, black-robed Zen monks, is who they are. So um, I said, sure. I, my, my thought was, well, they will, there will be two or three of them who will quietly come in in the back and we'll just do our thing. There were 10 of them, and they didn't just hover in the background. They sat right here. <laughs> so I looked and thought, hmm, this is interesting. And um, we actually had a marvelous time. They, they, they were present. They were that same uh, concentrative power that they bring to their Zen practice, they brought to Kuan Yin practice. Uh, and afterwards, I think, really really liked it. So I don't like to um, uh, stick with the stereotypes. All kinds of things happen. All kinds of things are, are real in this world of ours. So Kuan Yin is uh, the preeminent goddess in all of Asia. She goes by different names in different countries. Kanan in Japan, Kwan Sa in Korea, Kwan Nam in Vietnam. Different names. She is also um, part of, of uh, belief systems that are not Buddhist. Uh, theosophy, for instance, Kuan Yin is one of the ascended masters up in the Himalayas. Um, New Age philosophies venerate Kuan Yin. She seems to be bigger than Buddhism or other than in some way. And in Buddhism, she is the celestial bodhisattva of compassion. Celestial Bodhisattva of Compassion. And what is a Bodhisattva? I know that most, probably most of you here are familiar with that term. But if you aren't, a, a Bodhisattva is someone who is doing practice, meditation practice and other practices in order to achieve full enlightenment, who gets just to that point and says, no, I will not achieve my full enlightenment until every being in the universe has a chance to be liberated. <clears throat> and turns back into the world and works to alleviate suffering and to wake people up. So that's a bodhisattva, and Kuan Yin is one of the major bodhisattvas. Uh, she's also, as I said, very accessible, and I'm just going to read you a, a very short poem <clears throat> about an image of Kuan Yin that, that places her in the world with us. It's a poem by Laura Fargus. <clears throat> of the many Buddhas, I love best the girl who will not leave the cycle of pain before anyone else. She is not the captain declining to be saved on the sinking ship, who may just want to ride his shame out of sight. She is at the brink of never being hurt again, but she pauses to say, all of us, every blade of grass. She chooses to live in the tumble of souls through time. Perhaps she sees spring in every country, talks quietly with farm women while helping to lay seed. Our hearts are a storm she trembles at. I picture her leaning on a tree 
or humming or joining a volleyball game on Santa Monica Beach. Her skin shines with sweat. Imagine that, Kuan Yin's skin shining with sweat. <laughs> the others may not know how to notice what she does to them. She's not a fish or a bee. It's not pity or thirst. She could go, but here she is. So she stays and um, is here in our, in our world with us. The Chinese name of Kuan Yin is Guan Shi Yin. I'm sure others here can pronounce that better than I, which means she who hears the cries of the world. She who hears the cries of the world. So Kuan Yin is open and responsive to all beings, the cries of the whole world, all beings. And she embodies not only compassion, but receptive listening. Receptive listening. So that's why chanting is so important to Kuan Yin. Chanting, vibration, music, sound, all these are avenues to Kuan Yin's essence. And when called upon, she saves us from disaster. This is one of the major traditional um, <clears throat> significance, significances of Kuan Yin. And the Lotus Sutra, which is a major text in Buddhism, has a chapter called the Universal Gateway Chapter. And it's, it's basically a compendium of all the disasters she could save you from. Uh, so there are, I think, uh, 42 of them or something. But I'm going to read you just a few. And you'll see that if you call upon her, great things can happen. Whoever calls her name or sees her image... If their mind be perfectly collected and pure, they will then be able to overcome the suffering of all the worlds. When those with cruel intent push us into a pit of fire, invoking the strength of Kuan Yin, the fire becomes a refreshing lake. Adrift on the waters of the great ocean, threatened by monsters from the deep, invoking the strength of Kuan Yin, we are saved from the storm waves. And this one is my favorite. Standing on the mountaintop, should someone desire to push us down, invoking the strength of Kuan Yin, we dwell unharmed like the sun hanging in space. So, so they push you off the mountain, but you just sort of drift out there in the air. She can save us. So I want us to talk about some of the, One of you mentioned the thousand-armed Kuan Yin. Uh, I want to mention some of these traditional images, and they're going to be back on the book table um, to look at. But I'll just, I'll just talk about them now and what, what this imagery means, can mean to us in relation to encountering Kuan Yin in ourselves. <clears throat> and the first one is what I, I call the Kansas City Kuan Yin. Uh, because I met her in Kansas City, I was there um, passing through, and someone said, there's someone I want you to meet downtown. I said, okay. So we went downtown um, to the Nelson Atkins Museum of Asian Art. This person took me in a room uh, in which there was one statue, this one. And you see that she's sitting in a very strong posture. Her knee is up, her arm is out like this. She's very grounded. 
It's a very powerful posture. Uh, and the person said to me, this is Kuan Yin. I had never heard those words before. And then left the room. So I was there having a, um, what you might call a pure experience. I also wouldn't have said that I was a goddess person at that time. In fact, I was pretty dismissive of what I thought of as goddesses. So I had no context at all for this experience. And this statue is eight feet tall. It's sculpted of wood and painted. It's very, very beautiful. And, and it was very powerful. And what I found myself experiencing, it was as if I were uh, uh, feeling the full range of human emotion all at once, from, from deep sorrow and grief all the way to pure delight and joy was, was here in me, looking at this image. And then her face is so peaceful. Um, and at that time in my life, this was quite a few years ago, uh, it was 1982 actually, um, I was living in a, a rather chaotic existence and the idea that one could have this face of tranquility or equanimity was very gripping for me. So I bought a little postcard. That was my introduction to Kuan Yin. I bought a little postcard, put it on the seat of the car next to me and drove away from Kansas City. Kuan, uh, Kansas City Kuan Yin. <laughs> there are um, actually statues of this in the, um, in the store here. This is, a, this is supposed to be a photograph, and it's Kuan Yin riding a dragon through the waves. She's all dressed in white. She's carrying the vial or the fluid of compassion. And it's said that um, these Chinese sailors were caught, the ship was caught in a terrible storm. The waves are crashing, and, and they are just sure they're all going to die. And they look behind the ship, and here is Kuan Yin riding a dragon toward them through the waves, and she saves them. And one of them had a camera and took the picture. <laughs> um, this, I, th this I got at City of 10,000 Buddhas, which is a Chinese monastery in Talmadge, California, up north, near Ukiah. If you're driving north, uh, it's a great place to st stop and take a look. Yeah, City of 10,000 Buddhas, Talmadge. Talmadge is the next town from Ukiah. So just a tiny little town. City of 10,000 Buddhas. So um, she's saving them. Here she is, graphically present with a dragon. And you know, the dragon um, in the West is a very fearsome character. Uh, St. George is always out there murdering the dragon. <laughs> The Virgin Mary is shown with her, her foot on his head, his or her head. And in Asia, that's not the case. The, the dragon is, is a symbol of strength, is a symbol of transformation, is a symbol of sacredness. And, and people tattoo her, they, they venerate her. So this is, this is uh, she's called a luang. And this is a luang coming through the waves. Then there's, there is Kuan Yin with the sword. And we, you know, we, uh, Kuan Yin is so often depicted as a rather demure young woman. The, the sea wind is blowing her cape, and she's, she's looking lovely. She, uh, can, she can also look quite threatening. See, here she is. This is a traditional image of Kuan Yin with a big sword. And um, <clears throat> actually, there's a contemporary artist named Mayumi Oda, 
maybe some of you know her work, who, who did a, uh, a wall hanging of, of Kuan Yin with a sword, and she called it, Goddess give us strength to cut through. <laughs> and she was talking particularly about women. Goddess give us strength to cut through the delusions down to what's really going on. Because in, in Buddhism, the, the, the sword is never an instrument of hurting or, or, or killing or dismembering. It's an instrument to cut through. So Kuan Yin, in a traditional, in a traditional setting, also, and I think of that as fierce compassion. Fierce compassion. We all know what that is. The point at which one has to say, no, I will not do that. I will not allow that. I will not go along with that. <clears throat> and this is the thousand-armed Kuan Yin, which was mentioned. Um, which I'll put, but this is a very esoteric image, and she's generally referred to as Avalokiteshvara, who is a male image. Um, and you'd say you could say this is the precursor to Kuan Yin. She was male before this, um, and uh, uh, later there was a transformation, which I'll talk about. But but he has eleven heads. And um, he's in order to do to extend his protection in every direction in the universe. He has all these heads which are looking everywhere. Uh, they're piled on top of each other, three or four, four, and three or something. And he has uh, a thousand arms, a thousand hands, a thousand eyes. There's an eye in the palm of each hand. This this is. This is Avalokiteshvara watching over all of us. He needs, these are his tools for finding out what's going on so that he can step forward. So it was in this form that he was taken to China uh, pretty early on, I think, in this um, common era. But after he was there in a space of about 300 years, uh, something very odd happened. There was a transformation, and he transformed into the female Guan Xi Yin, or Kuan Yin. And I think this is a, um, an occurrence completely unique in the history of world religion. <laughs> Can we think of anybody else who, who did that? So how did this happen in Chinese society that, that he became Guan Xi Yin, or Kuan Yin? Well, it happened in two ways. And one is that there were indigenous goddesses already in China. And she just got conflated with them. So, so in the South China Sea, in a in a in a, a, a bay there, the sailors would be praying to a goddess, and then that goddess would become Kuan Yin. There's another way that she entered Chinese society, which I think is more interesting, which was through ordinary people. Um, typically, in a village, a child would be born, a female child. And she would be different from other babies. And as she grew up, she, she was not selfish. She was not whiny. She, did, she wasn't demanding. She was generous. She was giving. She was loving. She grew into a, a very uh, extraordinary grown-up and who, who spent her days helping other people. And then when she died, and sometimes she died saving another person's life, saving the life of another being, not necessarily a human being, a being. And then as they were preparing her body for burial through various magical signs, they discovered this was not Mary Wong from down on the corner. This, in fact, was Kuan Yin living among us. Which is one of the reasons you have so many different depictions of Kuan Yin. 
Kuan Yin with the fish basket, Kuan Yin of the South Seas, Kuan Yin with the parrot, and the uh, Kuan Yin with the baby, in all these ways. Um, <clears throat> so the quality of compassion is is um, is very fascinating. It's very present in our lives. It's not an easy thing, and we talk about it easily. I think in Buddhist settings we use the word a lot. Um, sometimes we use it too easily, I think, and think that we know what we're talking about. So I want us today, and we're going to be doing a little exploration of, of what this could mean. How do we give compassion in our lives? How do we receive it? How do we... Uh, what are the difficulties maybe in giving? Uh, do you know anybody who's compassionate all the time? I can certainly speak for myself that I'm not. And, um, and for some people, it's very difficult to receive compassion from others. I find myself coming back to Kuan Yin and to these questions uh, again and again over the years, over the decades. And I think because it is not an easy dimension for me in my life, and... Um, also to learn from the example that Kuan Yin provides us, in, in which she, she is t teaching us how to open to all aspects of ourselves, the full range of what is it to be a human being. What is it? Which is perhaps part of what I was feeling in, in, in response to that statue. Kuan Yin is saying to us, we have to incorporate, we have to accept, we have to welcome every part of ourselves, from the creepiest part, which I hope you never find out about me, all the way, <laughs> all the way to the qualities that I hope you do, that, that whole range. How can we truly be with that in an accepting way? Um, so that's the, her lesson for me. And many of the stories and the artwork in this book have uh, helped me learn that more about myself in relation to that. So, I think that um, I'm going to have several people read um, something from the book. It's, um, it's kind of a cross between an anthology and an art book. And, um, <clears throat> and it's exploring how does Kuan Yin manifest for Western people. Hi, Lilith. Since you weren't here, I gave your reading, I gave your reading to somebody else. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I had mentioned that you were going to read, and then you weren't here, so that's why they know your name. <laughs> so if, um, if Rick would come up here, this is, uh, some of the stories in the book are from um, Buddhists. Some are from people who are interested in goddess spirituality or women's spirituality, and some were from people who um, had no context for Kuan Yin at all, had no spiritual interest in anything, and she just appeared to them. So, um, this is written by a man named Fred Kahn. He was a yoga teacher, and this is an experience that he had giving a presentation. Great, thank you.
While I was preparing to lead a compassion yoga workshop, a woman called to say she was coming to the workshop with her husband, but that he was not really spiritual and might be quite negative toward what we'd be doing. The couple came to the workshop and the husband sat looking bored. But suddenly, when I was showing some slides, one of them, an image of Kuan Yin, he sat upright and began to cry. The wife looked sideways at him in shock, and I didn't know what was going on. After the workshop, the husband said he'd like to talk to me, and this is what he told me. While I was in Vietnam, I got lost behind enemy lines. Suddenly, out of nowhere, this young woman appeared and gestured for me to follow her. <clears throat> At first, I wasn't sure if I should trust her, but there was something about her that was very <coughs> unusual and made me lower my guard. She waved for me to walk behind her, and she led me through the underbrush to a cave. I hid inside it and remained there all night. Next morning came, the woman had disappeared. Later that day, I, find my, I found my way back to my unit. All these years, I thought she was an or, oriental version of Mary, but one of the slides you showed, the slide of Kuan Yin, was her. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You know, working on this book was a different experience for me from working on any other book because so many people were involved. And as it went along, it was two or three years, oh, the book always takes two or three years, um, I felt as if I was part of a village. I was communicating with all these people. I wish, I wish there was someone here who, who, who is a contributor to the book. There isn't here. but, um, And it was wonderful because it was a village of people who valued the qualities of kindness, of compassion, um, of, of love. Uh, and we were communicating on that basis with each other through the editing process, through working with the images and all of that. Um, and again, the people who participated in this book showed me that Kuan Yin is willing to be present with us in all circumstances. Um, She's strongly in nature. I think some of you have mentioned that and the items you put on the altar. So I, I want to have um, Natalie read a piece by, by Sherry Anderson. Uh, Sherry Anderson is an author and a teacher. I think she's taught here. She, you may even know her. But she began as a very, very serious Zen student. And... Um, Natalie's going to read about a visitation she had from Kuan Yin. Sherry writes, As an earnest young Zen student and intensely focused psychologist, I went about finding enlightenment in the same way I did everything else. The only way I knew driving hard, pushing, going for the gold. In the spring of 1976, I embarked on a solo meditation retreat in a tiny cabin in northern Ontario. From early morning to evening, I did sitting and walking meditations and a thousand prostrations a day when I wasn't chopping wood for the stove. Really, I was not ready for such an ordeal, having practiced then for only a few years. Looking back, I realized how scared I was. 
alone for 30 days with nothing but my barely established sitting practice to hold my frantic mind, I seriously thought I might go crazy. I'd heard stories about what could happen if you spent that much time alone, but my Zen master encouraged me and I wanted to give it a try. By around the third day, I'd gotten settled into the retreat structure when something happened that I could never have imagined. As I was sitting erect on my cushion in the afternoon, the sun filtering through the windows, Kuan Yin came into the room and invited me to dance. As I think back, I wonder how I knew she was there. It seemed like the most natural thing. My eyes were open. She was dressed in flowing robes, as in the statues I'd seen, and what I remember most was her smile. She looked amused, probably at my plight as a fledgling meditator trying so hard to get it right. She reached out her arms invitingly, as if to say, Come and join me. Why don't you? She didn't speak, but waited, still smiling, as I struggled to work out what was happening. We're supposed to just sit, I thought, not get up and dance. I never heard about this sort of thing happening on retreat. Am I doing something wrong? (laughs) And then she started to move, laughing and sexy and teasing me until there I was, up off my cushion, swaying and whirling and laughing with her. Laughing. Is this what happens on retreat, I wondered? How come nobody told me? (laughs) Every day she came and every day we danced in the afternoon. I guess I started to expect her, though I can't remember what part, that part anymore. But I haven't the slightest difficulty remembering the joy that rose through my body and out of my head like a fountain of golden light as great sensual energies whirled me across the room and out the door to turn under the big pines, weeping and laughing without a scintilla of understanding anything except being there in a boundless celebration. I never told my Korean Zen master what happened with Kuan Yin. I think, honestly, I walled off my memory of what happened on that retreat because I had no context for it. Not until 20 years later, when I was writing The Feminine Face of God with my friend Pat Hopkins, did I realize, oh, even then, in the midst of what felt like the most severe kind of patriarchal practice, the sacred feminine was present, inviting me to the delicious joy of my feminine self, filling me with such gladness, releasing my grim and fearful efforting, inviting me to dance. Thank you. Kuan Yin also is very connected with healing for many people, <clears throat> including myself. I, uh, uh, it's actually 20 years ago now that I was diagnosed with third-stage colon cancer and <clears throat> told that in a week I would have major surgery and then began the worst year of my life. But I survived. Here I am. Um, <clears throat> And I found myself walking in the graveyard that near our house, and, and, I, and I was talking to Kuan Yin, which surprised me. I wasn't used to talking to deities. <clears throat> but uh, I, was, I was saying to Kuan Yin, please help me. Please help me. Help me get through this. And of course, what I wanted to happen was for her to appear in the branches of a, one of those venerable trees, and she would be beautifully dressed and coiffed and would come down and walk with me, and I would be comforted. Uh, well, she didn't appear. She did not appear. However, there was an answer. There was an answer to my plea, and it came very deeply from myself. And that's when I began to truly understand uh, this dimension of Kuan Yin as being just ourselves. 
And then I'm going to mention a city of 10,000 Buddhas. I was speaking with a, uh, one of the Chinese nuns up there. And she said, Kuan Yin is about nothing but ourselves. She is a way of going deeply into ourselves. So she's not adding something from outside. She's not a remote uh, being which we have to strain towards. It's going inward, inward and inward that we find her. And that's why she can offer such... Uh, comfort during periods of illness. So, um, Martha, do you want to read from Max Dashu, who is an artist, let me just say, um, who's done a beautiful painting. And, And this is her talking about how it came out of a time of great difficulty for her. So, um, Just read the whole thing. From the, including this? No. No, this, this. Yeah. Max Dashu, an Oakland native, is is intimate with goddesses, having spent her life researching them. As an artist, writer, and videographer, she publishes books and posters and teaches women's history and heritages. She is also no stranger to illness, having suffered from a dire parasite-transmitted disease. Max described the dream encounter that inspired this powerful painting and pointed to her eventual healing. When I was flattened by Lyme disease after an unusual triple seizure and in despair of ever healing, I had a dream of Quan Yin as an amulet shot through with mother of pearl. Here is the dream. I am walking through a dark tunnel when I glimpse a bright thing in the dirt before me. I pick it up. It turns out to be an ivory Quan Yin crowned by a pearl. Her blessing opens new possibilities. Life force flows into the receptive hand while the other paints the dream. This dream was an omen of grace and future healing. Did you show the picture? You showed the picture. Yes, yes. Okay. And she did say that uh, that uh, gradually from that day, things began to improve. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think we'll end with Kuan uh, Yin in that other process, which all of us are going to experience, which is dying death and dying, and which has been talked about here already. Um, again, this is an artist, and she, she created a, a piece that shows Kuan Yin with tears coming down her face. It's the only one I've ever seen quite like that. Um, and Zoe is going to read it. And I, I don't know that it 
it requires any other introduction. So you're going to be just starting there. The 70s turned out to be the most challenging period in my entire life. My husband died and I went into shock. He was only 49 years of age and had no health problems, as far as we knew. So this was a wake-up call for me. Suddenly I became a 45-year-old widow, mother of five daughters, three of them still young enough to be living at home, and I had major financial problems. In the 10 years before my husband died, I had lost my father and my brother to the other side. My husband had lost his mother and sister. Now, with my husband gone, I was petrified with fear, unable to sleep more than two hours at a time. In one of the art classes I was taking at the college, I was experimenting with the use of an airbrush. I had used the tool for freehand drawing of a Buddhist head, similar to the image of Kuan Yin. Too much air and too little paint caused the eyelashes to thicken and drip. Thinking I had ruined the painting, I put the image away. That night, in a visionary state, I saw Kuan Yin as that image, and she was crying. The wet eyelashes held tears, and there were tears running down her face. When I asked for an answer to what I had seen, this is the reply I received. Kuan Yin is crying for you because you are not allowing yourself to grieve. I was trying to be strong for my children and was neglecting my own sorrow. I was trying to be both mother and father, and fathers don't cry. This was a healing for me, as I had no conscious idea of my own feelings. So I began allowing myself to grieve. I painted tears on Kuan Yin's face in the painting, and to this day I keep the image hanging in my art studio to remind me to remember to nurture myself. That was 24 years ago, and I'm still learning. I don't know if you can... Whoops! Oh, shouldn't do that. <laughs> I wanted to show the picture. Yeah, that's good. You can hold it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. So it's that... It's that strong message from Kuan Yin that we, we really, really must take care of ourselves. We must ask her to help us nurture ourselves and be kind to and welcoming to ourselves. Sort of underlies anything else we do in the world. So I would like us to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to do the chanting. What shall we say? Um, ten, ten minutes, I guess. Yeah. Oh, we want to put these. Did, did they, uh, no, on the, on the book table, did they put those things? I have a question. Sure. I'm drawn to the statues with the, the big thing behind her. The what? The, the big thing behind her. You mean uh, this, a statue like that? No, not the hands, but there's yeah, a, I don't think that's, it's yeah. just like a fan. Oh. No. Okay. Maybe it may be another image. The, the, you know, 
those are, uh, it is Kuan Yin, or it's, it's either that or a leaf shaped. I'm, I'm really not familiar with okay. those. Okay. It may be another image. Well, they have yeah. them in here, I know, because I have all of them in there. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll look in there at lunch or something. Yeah. Five years ago almost, you were doing a workshop at JCC. It was a UC support group for cancer patients. Yes. And I came up to you and I told you the story of my mother and not being able to be present. Yeah. And you told me not to be so hard on myself. You told me. Mm. And it was so liberating. And following that, friend a man, a veteran out of the VA, uh, who was in recovery as am I, who was in for throat cancer. And oh. I traveled his death journey with him. Uh -huh. And he used to say to me, you know, that it was such a wonderful service I was providing him. I said, you look at all aspects first, Joe. It was a gift to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that because it sounds as if Thank you. on you. I think so. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to ask you about um, your colon cancer because my, my dad died actually 21 years ago from uh, cancer. So mm -hmm. it's like the same, a lot of similar timing. And I, I was just curious, like, what, what's moved, like, what is, what changed? You know, I, um, I wrote a book about it. in the family. Yes, you have to do it. It's a, such a terrible procedure. I had one a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh. But you must do it in particular. Oh, absolutely. Not as frequently, of course, but also the younger you are, you know, the more virulent it is. So as a younger person, you should let it go. Then go. Oh, it had. Yeah. Well, mine also had too, but but we made it through with chemo and everything. Wow, it's lucky. the the, the subtitle. Yeah. Now what? Now that they have different treatments and different things for it than they did 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's right. So the whole story is in here. Okay. You might want to read yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> in case you ever have yeah. to. I hope you don't. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Hi. Hi, hi. I came along the coast from Monte Rio, you know, and uh -huh. there was all these bicycle riders. That oh, no. Big <laughs> it's really hard to get around them. <laughs> oh, yes, right. When would you ring a bell? How long? Okay, well, what about this? Because we forgot about the Donna talk. Yeah. So maybe we should, when they come back in, we should do that yeah. and then do the chant. Uh, what do you mean, ring a bell? You took a break, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, ring okay. Ring a bell at the end of the break. <laughs> um, it's five minutes ago we started. Okay. Yeah. So it so at twenty two. Okay. That'd be great. Thank you. Yes. Oh, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs>
So one for me, mm. of course. I gave mine away already to someone. Mm. And then one's to my niece. Mm -hmm. So great to have you here. I'm so enjoying it. All right. Is it Y Y L? No. G A I L. I gave away both my copyrights. Yeah, that's what happened to me. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.